Welcome to My Black Book Journal powered by Act Justly Love Mercy. You all, I'm going to do something different on these next few episodes that I drop. I took a break this summer, but I also had an opportunity to preach at some local churches. And that's something along with podcasting and writing. Um, I enjoy going, having the opportunity to speak and proclaim God's word. So I wanted to just drop some of the sermons that I preached recently. I do that every so often, just drop a few sermons. I have some great interviews that I have scheduled starting that'll drop in September. But over the next few weeks, I'm just going to drop one episode per week of a sermon that I preached for the August for the month of August. And I hope that it's refreshing to your soul. All right. I hope you all enjoyed this one and I'll drop a new one next week and the week after that. And then starting in September, I'll have new episodes for you. All right. Peace. Today, I am preaching part one of a little mini-series that I'm putting into Cast of Characters because I have the privilege of preaching to you all twice this summer on two women of faith. So the first part of this message will be called Generational Blessing. In this Cast of Characters series, I want to talk to you today about generational blessing. So if you will, open up your Bibles and turn to Joshua, the book of Joshua, chapter 2. And that is where we will spend the majority of our time this morning. You all are a beautiful sight to look out and see this morning. Um, I always have to give honor to where honor is due. I want to shout out my beloved wife for being here this morning, um, my beloved mother and sister as well, and my friend Cedric, thank you all for showing love and supporting this morning. All right, Joshua chapter 2. I'm going to read verse, we're going we're gonna to spend our time and read the majority of Joshua 2, but I only want to read two verses as we begin this morning. All right, we're going to read verse 12 and 13. I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. It says, Now please swear to me by the Lord that you will also show kindness to my father's family, because I showed kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, mother, brothers, and sisters, and all who belong to them, and save us from death. I would like to introduce to you the person that I have the privilege of preaching about today, and that is Rahab. In today's sermon, we're going to sit together for a little while and discuss a woman's past, her present as we find her in the text, and then look and peer into her future. And we're going to take a deep dive into what it means for God's work to do, for God's work to work not only in our lives, but throughout generations. So let's first look at Rahab's past. In Joshua chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two men as spies from the Acacia Grove, saying, Go and scout the land, especially Jericho. So they left, and they came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Stop. What do we know about Rahab's present state in Joshua chapter 2? We know that she is a woman living in a house built into Jericho's great wall. And we also know from the biblical text that she is a prostitute. And 
While many commentaries that I consulted sought to degrade her because of her profession, I am more concerned with what events led to her becoming a prostitute. What led to Rahab becoming a prostitute? We don't know. But what we do know is that throughout most of human history, most people don't dream of this profession. We know that, to be honest, it can be challenging at times to tell the difference between prostitution and human trafficking. They often go and grow up together. One woman that I consulted when preparing for this message said this, even among those who are adults and say that they have chosen their lives, that they've chosen that profession, she says this, she said, there are stories of abuse, abduction, and abandonment that raises the question of who they would have been if this evil were never done to them. What dreams did Rahab have growing up? How old was she when we first encountered her in this historical narrative? Was she poor? Was she rich? Was she sold into slavery? Was she abducted? We do not know. We don't know if she was abandoned by her family or if she was sold into this profession and mastered it by her family. But what we do know is that far too often, women have had to choose survival over safety and far too often the choice has been made for them. Beloved, sin is a two-way street. That's something that we learn from Rahab's life. Not only do we sin against God, but we also sin against one another. And what if someone else's sin against us is the cause of our present state of being? What if the life that we dreamed of was crushed because of someone else's sin against us? What if someone else's sin against us broke us so badly that it threw us and caused us to sink into a life of despair and loneliness? What do we do to cope with the shame that we often feel? What do we do to numb the pain and the trauma that we often experience on this journey of life? We can look at Rahab and judge her because of what she became. But what have we become? In what ways have our society begun to mold and label us because of our pain, because of our shame? In what ways have we used to cope with that? I thought about that, beloved, because one way that we cope with the pain of life is often drugs and alcohol. We do what we have to do to numb the pain of living just to exist and survive with all the chaos that often is going on around us and on the inside of us. Rahab is someone who understands that pain. Maybe we ran into a career and a profession just so we could escape the numbing of life so that we could feel something so we'd pour all of our energy into that. What do we do to cover up the shame that we feel? Has our lives been broken into pieces? Have, they, have we been crushed by the labels that people have thrown at us? You know what I did to better understand Rahab's journey? I consulted women along the way 
to help me better understand how someone may end up in this situation. Beloved, it is important as we engage the scripture that we engage it not only from a majority context or seeing ourselves always as the hero or always as the Israelites, but sometimes we are the Canaanites. Sometimes we are the minority. Sometimes we ought to put on a different lens in how we read the scripture, not as the hero, but as the one who is rescued by grace. So a common theme arose as I consulted these women. One person said, no matter what our past whispers to us, no matter what our past holds, our past is the reason Jesus was born. And another says this, the good news is that no choice we ever made, no scars inflicted, no drink taken, or words flung, or body misused can keep us from the saving grace of Jesus. Beloved, so we enter in this knowing that all of us have a past. And we know Rahab has a past. The scripture doesn't give us great context. We don't always have great context for someone else's past or our past, but we know we all have one. That past has informed how we're showing up in the present. And I want you to know as we continue on in looking at Rahab's life, the good news, she says, is that no choice we ever make, no choice that we make, our sins, no matter how great they are, No scars ever inflicted upon us. No drink taken or words flung or body misused can keep us from the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, that is good news. And that is good news that Rahab begins to believe. So let's look at Rahab's present and see how does she become this great woman that we are now looking at today. In James chapter 2, verses 24 through 25, you don't have to turn there, but feel free if you like. James 2, 24 through 25, James, the half-brother of Jesus, says this about Rahab. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works and receiving the messengers and sending them out by a different route? Hebrews 11.31 says this about Rahab. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, welcomed the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. We see that something happened in this woman's life that moved her from her present state into the hall of fame of faith. What was it? Well, let's take a dive there. Let's read verses 2 through 7 together. Joshua verse, chapter 2, verses 2 through 7. It says, The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelite men have come here tonight to investigate the land. Then the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab and said, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, for they came to investigate the entire land. But the woman who had taken the two men and hid, hidden them, so she said, Yes, the men did come to me, but I didn't know where they were from. At nightfall... When the city gate was about to close, the men went out, and I don't know where they were going. Chase after them quickly, and you can catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them among the stalks of flax that she had arranged on the roof. The men pursued them along the road to the forts of the Jordan, and as soon as they left to pursue them, the city gate was closed. These two spies from Israel sent out by Joshua come to her home and her place of business. 
The king hears that these two men have come in, and somehow he knows that they've gone to Rahab's house. So he sends a message to Rahab by name. He must have known her. They must have been acquainted with one another for him to send his men and make such a nice request for her to send the men out and not just barge into her place of business. But she says, no, they've left. They've gone. Now, yes, she lies. Why does she lie? Because she wanted to protect the men that came from Israel. I won't get caught up in condemning her or justifying her because the scripture doesn't spend much time on trying to figure out why she lies. It just tells us, but she lied and that the, the men had gone up to her roof. This woman was a shrewd woman. She understood how to keep a secret. She understood discretion. But what would make a woman risk so much? What would make a woman lie to her own king on behalf of two men she does not know? What would cause such courage and such boldness inside of someone that they would reject what they know to embrace something that they don't know? The scripture goes on to tell us in verse 8 through 11, verses 8 through 11, Before the men fell asleep, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know the Lord has given you this land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings, you completely destroyed across the Jordan. Stop. She goes back up to the men and she shares what she heard about them, their people and their God. She confesses that it brought so much terror on the land. She says, look, I know that the Lord has given you this land and what and that the terror of you has fallen on us and everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. Pause. Beloved, if we look at the text, there is something beautiful in there that we must stop and see. If you look at your Bibles, you will see the word Lord in capital letters. You see that you all are very intelligent congregation. So you all know that when that is in the English translation in the Old Testament, that is the word translated from Yahweh. Yahweh is God's covenant name that he revealed to Moses on the mountain when he said, who should I say sent me? And the Lord spoke through the burning bush and said, I am that I am. This was God's covenant name. Now, how in the world did this woman learn God's covenant name? Abraham Kuyper says this in his in his book, Women of the Old Testament. He says, the people who in Rahab's time most frequently used such houses of prostitution were the traveling merchants from, uh, from them. She had repeatedly heard of the marvelous nation which was approaching from Egypt and of the God of Israel who had perfected such striking miracles. Isn't it amazing that while God is disciplining his children in the wilderness that he is working in the life Rahab in this place called Jericho to engender faith. But not only that, can you imagine in her profession, men, merchants are coming in and out of her home, of her place of business, and they're sharing stories about what they've heard of a God named Yahweh who overthrew and did battle with all the gods of Egypt. Beloved, every plague that we see, 
played out in the book of Exodus is God saying, this God does not stand before me, and this God does not stand before me, and this God does not stand before me. So she is hearing these stories about a God who is able to take a million plus people out of bondage and bring them across the Red Sea. Beloved, think about how we feel when we read the stories of a God who would bring his people out of slavery and then bring them across the Red Sea and to completely annihilate the armies of Pharaoh. It engenders faith in us today. I wonder how her heart must have burned within her as the stories cease to be stories and begin to bring hope into a dying heart. Listen to this. I, 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 I read some people and they said that, that, that Rahab never made a confession of faith. And I disagree. Let's read verse 11. She says, when we heard this, we lost heart and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God, is God in heaven above and on earth below. This woman got some theology. There's something about what she's heard that has given her some theology and a clarity around who God is. What she said is, is Yahweh is Elohim in the heavens and the earth. There is no God who stands before him in the heavens or on the earth. No one compares to him. He is the God of gods in every way. There's something about the stories that made her heart come alive, beloved. When we have heard the stories, the gospel narrative, when we heard of God's works in other people's lives, did it, did, it, did it make us feel like that God is great, but he can't do the same for me? Or did it engender the same faith that it did in Rahab? This is Rahab's great confession of faith. She moved to, if God could do it for them, maybe he could do it for me. If God could free millions of his people and bring them out of the hands of a great pharaoh in Egypt, then maybe he can change my state too. Her heart began to open to the promises and the purpose of God. Her faith led her to hope. And in God's sovereign grace, he gave her the opportunity to act on her faith. And in doing so, she would save not only herself, but her family. Think about that. This woman who clearly God is working in her heart. She doesn't know if she'll ever have an opportunity to act on the faith. She probably doesn't even know how to act on this, what she's feeling on the inside. But by God's sovereign grace, he places two men at the exact time in her place of business, and she knows exactly what to do. She had the opportunity to demonstrate the faith that was working out on the inside of her. Beloved, yes, we are saved by grace through faith, not of works so that no man can boast. But our faith is made evident through the grace that works in our lives. She saves not only herself, but also her family. Verse 12 through 13 says, Now please swear to me by the Lord that you will also show kindness to my father's family because I showed kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother and brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and save us from death. Her plea was for herself, but it was not only for herself. It was for her family 
The grace of God is clearly already at work in this woman's life. She could have selfishly said, now think about this. I, I, don't, I don't know how, how your Thanksgivings go. But if you have a family, if you all have family members that when they show up at Thanksgiving, you're like, ah, here they go. It's about time to go. Like, I, don't, I don't know if prostitution was Rahab's chosen profession, but I'm sure when they gathered together for the, for the feast, she wasn't just kicking it with her brothers and sisters and her mama and daddy. Something had to have happened there if I just use my imagination. But this grace is so at work in her life that she cries out not only for herself but for her family. Beloved, the gospel must work first in us and then it should bear the fruit in our home first. If God's grace and his love and his mercy, and his kindness, and his forgiveness is at work in us, then it should bear fruit in our homes first. There's something about this woman, I don't know what her relationship was like with her mama, or her daddy, or her brothers, and her sisters, but when it came to a moment of her salvation, she did not forget them. That God saved her. He encountered her. She was the one who met these men. She could have said, get me out of this place. But she said, I want my father. I want my mother. I want my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them. I want brothers-in-law, sisters-in-law, uncles, aunties, cousins, nieces, nephews, everybody that they bring. Because I heard of a God that not only brought you out, but brought the others out of Egypt as well. I heard of a God who can set me free. Beloved, reflect on how the gospel is at work in you. And then reflect how the gospel may be at work in your family, through you. We also find this woman making this great declaration of faith and pleading for her life and her family. As we move on, we get a peek into her future. Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 5 says this. Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab. Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth. Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered King David. Beloved, God cares about generations. Rahab saved the spies, right? Some of you all may know the story. If you don't know the story, read Joshua 2. Then skip forward, read Joshua 3, 4, 5, and 6. You'll hear about the conquest of Jericho. We know that the walls came a tumbling down because Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. We know that. They marched around the city wall. We, we know that story. We're familiar with that story. God honored his promise. Beloved, in researching this, you know what I found? There was an archaeological find that unearthed the city of Jericho. And in finding this, there was a portion of the wall that was still intact. See, this is something we don't often tie together. That if her home was in the city's wall and the wall came a-tumbling down, then there must have been a portion of the wall that stayed in place. God rescued this woman. He saved her. But God had something else in mind. God connected himself to this woman's faith and said, I'm going to do something through this 
woman. Most of us know the story of Ruth, right? We've read the book of Ruth. We know that Ruth was married to the son of Naomi. Naomi's husband, die, husband's die, husband dies. Ruth's husband dies, and Naomi's going back to Israel and say, hey, Naomi, you, you, you go. You, you, don't, you don't come with me. And she, but she binds herself to her. This Moabite woman, who was a dark-skinned woman, says, I will forsake my people and I will go, Naomi, wherever you go. So they end up back in Naomi's hometown, a place called Bethlehem. We're all familiar with Bethlehem, right? We know the city of Bethlehem, the city of David. And when they end up in Bethlehem, Ruth runs into a man named Boaz. Now, Boaz is a kind man who, when Ruth is going through his field, gleaning after the people have gone and picked the crops, Boaz sees her and he lets her work in his field and make sure she gets fed so that she has enough to take to Naomi as well. But there's also something else that happens in the book of Ruth that I want to read really quickly for you. Ruth, chapter 3. Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, shouldn't I find rest for you so that you will be taken care of? Now, isn't Boaz our relative? Haven't you been working with his female servants this evening? This evening, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfumed oil, and wear your best clothes. Go down to the threshing floor, but don't let the man know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, notice the place where he is lying. Go in and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will explain to you what you should do. So Ruth said to her, I will do everything you say. She went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law had charged her to do. After Boaz ate, drank, and was in good spirits, he went to lie down at the end of the pile of barley, and she came secretly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. At midnight, Boaz was startled, turned over there, turned over, and there lying at his feet was a woman. So he asked, who are you? I am Ruth, your servant, she replied. Take me under your wing, for you are a family redeemer. Then he said, may the Lord bless you, my daughter. You have shown more kindness now than before because you, were not, you have not pursued younger men, whether rich or poor. Stop. Boaz tells her what to do. She goes away. He redeems her and marries her, and they are caught up in the lineage of God. But there's something I want to peel back on really quickly. Boaz was a man of integrity, and I wonder where he got that integrity from. Probably his mother, Rahab. When he sees a woman that is in need, he has compassion on her. I bet his mama taught him how to see people for people. I bet his mama said, boy, you better not go out there judging nobody. I don't care what they look like or what they do. You don't have the right to judge anybody. I I, I told you a million times the things that God has done for me and your daddy. I told you how God set me free and how he saved me out of Jericho when he destroyed that city. How he caused us to dwell in in the midst of a people that were not our people, but they brought us in. And how he brought us into his family. Don't you ever disrespect somebody in need. I bet he learned that from his mama. 
also Betty learned how to treat women with respect from his mama. So that when this woman came and lay down and Naomi said, whatever he tell you, do do that. He could have told her some things, but he didn't. He says, blessed are you of the Lord. He had compassion. He was gentle. He was kind. I wonder where he learned that from. Probably from a mama who learned the kindness and grace of Yahweh. She says over and over in Joshua chapter 2, your kindness, show me kindness, show me kindness. Because she knew that God's kindness was shown to the Israelites when they left Egypt. It was by his loyal love, his mercy, his kindness that she had gotten to this place in life. Her yes to Jesus, not only say her yes to God, not only saved the lives of those two spies, but it saved her and her family lives as well. Beloved, what is your yes doing? Is your yes only for you or is your yes for generations? She didn't know fully what God was doing, but God did. She didn't know that she was participating in the long-term work of God, but God did. Beloved, what vision has God given you for generations? Huffman Baptist Church, what vision has God given you for generations? So that you can see a 115-year-old church go on to still proclaim, preach, and set people free even beyond you. What vision has he given you that will live far longer than we will so that his kingdom will come and that his will would be done? Beloved, this past Thanksgiving, we had the opportunity with Elevate. We, we, we collaborate with you all. We had the opportunity to have families, over 100 people, come to a Thanksgiving meal down in the fellowship hall. Beloved, that was a big deal. We had the opportunity to fellowship and create space and community with families who would have never stepped into this place without your yes. Without you saying, we want to collaborate, we want to partner together, we want to link arms in this work. So we're going to open up our space, we're going to open up our heart, we're going to open up ourselves. And that allowed families to come and fellowship together. Beloved, just yesterday... My team and I were up here with parents and families discussing their vision for their children and their futures. Just yesterday, we were up here. There's a generational impact that you're having that you might uh, might not always see. She didn't know all that God was going to do, but he was working beyond what she knew. He's doing that. He's causing generational blessing through your yes. But beloved, that's not always easy. It's not always easy to go on that journey with Jesus. Rahab knew that. She had to abandon everything she knew. She took a people as her own that were not hers. She said yes to a God that she did not know. She said yes to men that she did not know. But by faith, she walked with the Lord. Was it hard? Yes. Was it challenging? Yes. Was it difficult leaving everything you knew? I'm sure it was. But beloved, I guarantee you it was worth it. Beloved, it's worth it. This journey that Jesus has you on, beloved, it is worth it. So in the midst of this journey, 
Let God's words, his promises, and his work engender faith and hope in your hearts. When it gets heavy and it gets challenging, hold on to the God who is able to free the bound. Hold on to the God who, is, who, who brought you out of darkness. And that same God that brought you out of darkness is working in ways we can't even comprehend. In conclusion, I want to pray this. Pray with me. Yahweh, let us like Rahab not be hindered by our past or the labels that are flung upon us. Lord, we are broken, but your grace can make us whole. Lord, we are dirty, but your blood can wash us clean. Lord, we come to you with open hearts and open hands, confessing that Jesus is Lord and the God of heaven and of earth below. Would you work in us? Would your work in us be evident to all around us? And would your grace produce a love, forgiveness, kindness, and a mercy towards all those around us. Lord, would you use our lives to bless generations? Would you use our yes to heal your people? Lord, would you have mercy on us? Lord, give us the strength to follow you no matter the cost. In Jesus' name we pray. Mm-hmm.